0: Well, good morning, everybody. I'm just glad to be in here with you guys. Uh, uh, Sister Rosemary was joking around. She saw Elizabeth and I sitting on the front uh, front uh, row there before service started, and she said, now don't be sitting, or she said, it's about time you guys sat together. People might think you're married, <coughs> which is funny because, you know, a lot of times she's doing her ministry, I'm doing my ministry, and, and we don't get to spend a lot of time just sitting together and stuff, but it, it's nice to be able to be Together, everybody together, and I really enjoy these days. Um, I would like to begin, before we get started, I would just like you all to lift me up in prayer real quick. I've been fighting some sinus and allergy stuff, upset stomach, that sort of thing all week. Um, I was talking with the prayer team before service, you know, I don't know why it is that I got that attack this week, but it's been a a hard thing for me, and so I would appreciate if you would just pray with me, and and let's uh, pray for the word. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you today. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way in this service, Lord. And and I pray that you would touch my body and help me to uh, maintain the voice and, and to be able to think clearly and say those things that you would have me to say, Lord, because this isn't about me, Lord. It's about you speaking to your people. So, Lord God, I pray that you would anoint me as I speak, and Lord, I pray that you would anoint the congregation as they listen. Lord, let them oversee the shortcomings and, and, and anything else that I might say that would not be perfect, but Lord, to hear your voice in, in the message, Lord, and to hear what you would have them know today. Lord God, I pray that you'd be with us all and bless us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so tradition has long held that you should not mix Politics, religion, in polite conversation, at least if you want to keep friends. I'm doing both, so I'm either very brave or very stupid. But um, before we get into, um, into the message itself, I want to begin by reading in Scripture. If you'd like to follow along, we'll be going to John chapter 13. And we're going to begin reading in verses 3 through 7. Now Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And we'll skip on down to verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Um, A couple weeks ago, we had the privilege of being able to go to our uh, International General Assembly down in Nashville. And um, during that time, uh, we had an opportunity to sit with bishops from all over the world and be able to to debate and discuss and try to set a vision going forward for our church. And uh, I noticed, though, one day as we're sitting in there in the meetings— and obviously, if you've been to any kind of meeting, not every meeting is, is uh, interesting the entire time. And I looked over and I noticed one of the other pastors was sitting there reading his newspaper. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and believe me, there's times when you've heard the guy say, punch in the number, hit the delete key. You can only hear that so many times before you start looking for something to occupy yourself. So I said, what are you reading over there? And he was reading all about the, the political conventions that were going on. I believe it was the Republican convention that was going on that week. They were getting ready for the Democratic convention. And, um, and so we just kind of began to talk about those kinds of things. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny because politics is something that it, it, it appeals to us. It scratches an itch inside of us. We, I, I don't know what it is about us. Uh, but it's built into us that we, we, we want to line up. We want to be on a team. You look at any uh, sports team. I mean, we're in Kentucky, so I know I don't have to talk about the cards and cats thing. There, there's something about belonging to a tribe and it being us versus them and that sort of thing that it just seems so natural to us in our state, in our fallen state that we're in. It's so easy to to draw those lines and to draw those boundaries. But... <clears throat> I, and, and I'm no different. I like to follow politics. I like to to see what's going on in the world and and what's being debated and all that kind of stuff. And and so I've watched some of the conventions. And I got to tell you, something really bothered me, and it's been on my spirit ever since. And it was how they would begin these conventions. They would they would have someone come up and to pray. And these convention prayers, just, something about it it bothered me. It was off because these were ministers who were getting up there and they were supposed to be praying uh for god's blessings on the proceedings but their prayers didn't sound like prayers to me their prayers sounded like just another example another way where we can get up and we can talk about the guy that we like and then at the end we say amen and and pretend like that's a prayer and and i thought and it's been bothering me ever since and i thought you know as an american church have we allowed politics to co-opt um our religion? You know, have we allowed um, the pursuit of political power to corrupt what we're trying to do as a church in the world today? And I began to think about it, and I thought, you know, well, politics is actually, it's pretty dangerous if, for a Christian, because there, there's a few pitfalls that can, you can fall into. It can, it can become idolatrous with, you know, your, your admiration and worship even of, of the, the candidate that you like. Um, and, and that can become it, it can become a place where you have lifted that person up to a place of respect and admiration that they don't maybe necessarily deserve. Um, another uh, pitfall is that we can become manipulated when we get so focused on a single issue. Um, for instance, um you know I'm very, very pro-life, I'm very anti-abortion, but you have to be careful and don't allow a politician to look at you and use your faith that, and your belief that life is precious and use that into manipulating you into supporting other things that you don't necessarily believe are, are true or accurate. Um, in fact, uh, just recently I read an interview with Al Mohler, who's over here at Southern Baptist Seminary here in Louisville, and, and they said, well, haven't Christians always voted for the pro-life guy? And he said, wait a minute, he said, we need to take a step back. Uh, He said, what we have always done is we have always voted in a fallen world for a fallen candidate in a fallen political system and done the best we could. And I thought, man, that's good, you know, because we are. As Christians, we're called to something far more than just lining up with the red side or the blue side, the donkey or the elephant. You know, we're called to find a third way. And that's what Jesus has provided us here in this scripture that I've talked about today. Because Jesus had power. Jesus had authority. He could have done whatever he wanted. If he wanted physical victory, he could have summoned legions of angels. He had, at his time, there were groups, uh, there was a group called the Zealots that they were openly going, uh, taking up arms against the Romans. If he wanted to, he could have summoned an, an army, but he didn't do that because he knew that That sort of thing was not going to accomplish God's purpose in that time and in that place. Um, Another thing that politics can do is that it creates animosity. Like I said, it creates that us versus them. And it's one thing to do that when we're talking about sports. It's one thing to root for your team and make fun of the other team's fans and pretend like, you know, they don't have teeth or, you know, they've got cheese for brains or whatever it is you want to, you know, say. But... There's a difference in that and actual ill feelings, which can occur when we're looking in the political realm. It gets pretty nasty, Um, you know, and and we begin to look at the other people as our enemies. Um, Conservatives say that the liberals, gay activists, the ACLU, pro-choice advocates, uh, evolutionists, um, all that sort of thing, they begin to see them as the enemy. They're people who I must destroy, I must take down. They're against me. Or if you're on the liberal side, it's the fundamentalists, it's the gay bashers, the Christian coalition, pro-life advocates, they're the enemy. It's my job to destroy them, to take them down, to make them crumble. And that's just so counter to everything that we're supposed to be doing as Christians. You know? And so that's why we have to realize that there's something more going on. And, and here's the problem. As Christians, sometimes we fail to realize that there is more. I mean, up here we know... There is a spiritual realm out here. Up here we know that God exists, angels exist, that there is a heaven and a hell. There are, there are cosmic battles going on, that there are spiritual strongholds and oppression and those kinds of things. Up here we know that, but we don't always realize it down here and we don't live like it. And so we have to realize that as Christians we're kind of in a weird place. We're at a place where we're actually straddling two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And we have to realize that the kingdom of the world is going to place expectations on us that are counter to what the kingdom of God requires, and we have to make those choices, and we have to decide what we're going to do. And here's a couple of the ways that they kind of fall in contrast of each other. See, the kingdom of God was begun by Jesus. Everywhere he went, the kingdom of God went with him. Now, so, so it's, it's not a geopolitical thing, it's not an actual territory in the world, wherever God, or, or wherever Jesus went, wherever he accomplished God's will, that's where the kingdom of God is. And so we have to realize that. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be taking the kingdom of God with us everywhere we go. But here um, are some of the things where the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, uh, are, they differ. First of all, there's a contrast of trust. The kingdom of the world trusts the power of the sword. The power of might makes right. Um, the power of coercion, right? The world uses power over someone. You don't follow our laws when you're driving, you get a ticket. You, you, know, you sell drugs, you go to jail. Um, it's the, the, the power of the government. They, use, they don't use the carrot, they use the stick, right? If you don't pay your taxes, you get fined. You know, th- so they're using power over you. Whereas the kingdom of God isn't looking for power over anyone. If God wanted to, he could make us all dance to his tune. He could make us do things his way. But he obviously realized that there's something about free will. We have to come to him of our own accord. And so as Christians, we shouldn't be looking to impose our will on others. What we should be doing is loving others because that's where we believe the power of God comes in. When the Holy Spirit is in you and and empowering you to serve and love others, that's when people's hearts are changed because you can make people behave all you want, right? You can use the sword to, to make people behave, but you can't change their hearts. That has to come from the inside and be worked out. You know, it's kind of like Ben as he's getting a little older and, and he's coming into his own and forming his own opinions and those kinds of things. And, and I told him, I sat him down one day and we were talking about it and he'd gotten in trouble because um you know i told him to do something and and he smarted off a little bit and and i said listen as you get older that's going to happen more and more you're not always going to agree with what i say you know but you have to you have to learn how to keep that to yourself kind of thing <laughs> so it's like you're entitled to your opinion you're not entitled to voice it right um <laughs> yeah. so uh but anyway I can make him behave as much as I want. I can enforce the rules. I can ground him. I cannot let him go out with his friends. I can do those kinds of things to get the behavior that I want. But that's not really how I'm going to have transformation in his life. That's not how I'm going to help him grow as a young man. How I'm going to help him grow as a young man is by loving him and by showing him so that there's a transformation on the inside that produces the behavior that we want. And it's the same way in the world. We can try to enforce our opinions on the world. It's not going to work, right? We're not trying to establish a theocracy. I mean, that's what ISIS is doing over in the Middle East right now. They're like, you're going to be a good Muslim, and if you're not, we're going to chop your head off. And that doesn't work, right? If you want to bring about the change and to bring about the kingdom of God in this world, the only way to do it is to love people, to love our enemies, to love uh, and serve right? Love and serve. And when you do that, it shows people, hey, they're not against me. They're not my enemy. They're for me. And then they become receptive, right? It's like you get in an argument with someone. If you start off on the attack, you're never going to change their opinion, right? But you have to show them, hey, I'm willing to listen. Let's talk. Let's compromise. That's the only way change can ever happen. That, that To me, that's what's so silly about these 24-hour news shows or whatever because the, the outcome's already determined. We're going to have the conservative guy on this side of the screen. We're going to have the liberal guy on this side of the screen. They both already know what they want to say. They're going to scream at each other for a while, and then no one's going to be convinced of anything because the conservatives already know they're going to agree with the conservative, and the liberals already knows he's going to agree with the liberal. And so the whole thing is just pointless to me. But when you come to it from the other perspective of, I'm not out here to be your enemy. I'm here to love you. I'm here to serve you. And I'm going to do that even when it's sacrificial, even when it means I have to give up something I want. But I know that this is what's going to accomplish God's will in the world. That's where we begin to make a difference. You know, I think it's interesting that in the Bible, Jesus is compared to both a lion and a lamb. But the power of God isn't shown by Jesus the Lion. The power of God is shown when Jesus submitted as the Lamb. That's where the victory was won. Was when he sacrificed himself for us. Another contrast between us is um, the um, contrast of aims, which I already addressed a little bit, in that the, the world or the, the kingdom of the world is concerned with what people do, whereas the kingdom of God is concerned with who people are and what people can become. You know, God desires for you to flourish. God desires for you to have the best life you can have. That's another thing I share with our teenagers all the time. I, I said, you know, when I was a teenager, it just felt to me like God had a bunch of rules that I had to follow. It's just more rules, 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 and I try to let them know, you know, the rules aren't there just to give you, you know, a checklist that you have to check out or or or, or to make your life more miserable. When you follow the rules, you actually have a better life than if you didn't because when you don't follow the rules, that's when the consequences appear in your life. And so we have to get to a place um, where we are sacrificing our own interests to carry out God's will as opposed to being constantly obsessed with preserving and advancing your own personal agenda. Another uh, contrast between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God is the contrast of scopes. The kingdom of the world is uh, it's, it's intrinsically tribal, right? It's uh, you know, a, a people group, a nation, an ethnicity, a state, a religion, an ideology, or an agenda, and you band together with other people who have the same views as you, and then you're going to make that happen, right? And um, you know the kingdom of the world cannot continue to exist by loving its enemies, because if you just try to love your enemies as a country, then the enemies are going to run over you, right? I mean, you think about World War II, if if France had just said, well, Germany, if you want to come in, that's fine. We're just going to love you anyway. No, they mounted a resistance they fought against, because that's the only way that France as a nation could continue to exist. But the kingdom of God is not like that. We don't have to fight our enemies. Um, we don't have to do, um, we just love as, as God loves. And that's the other thing about the kingdom of God. You know, America is not the chosen Christian nation on the, on the planet, right? There are Christians that live in every, every nation, Every continent. They live all over the world. And so we have to realize that the kingdom of God and what we should be working for extends beyond our borders. It extends beyond uh, our state. It extends beyond our people and our culture. Um, You know, the kingdom of God is universal. Um, Once we realize that, we realize how silly it is to advance our own when, you know, you're you're working against other people of God, right? You know, if if I'm trying to advance American interests over Iraqi interests or Afghanistan interests, well, what's that saying to the Christians that live in that country? I'm placing myself against you when you're supposed to be my brother or sister in Christ. And so we have to realize that that doesn't line up with the kingdom of God. There's a contrast of responses. The world says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and we'll all be walking around gum and everything and blind, you know? But <laughs> when we we have to return evil, or return good for evil, right? As long as we're concerned with, well, he talked about my mama, now I'm going to go punch him in the face. I mean, we have to learn that at some point we have to break that cycle of violence. And and violence is becoming worse and worse in this country. And And we need to be showing by an example, turning that other cheek. See, God didn't tell us to to love your enemy. He didn't tell you to turn the other cheek. He didn't tell you to go the second mile because it makes sense from a physical standpoint. It doesn't make sense, right? But when you do those kinds of things, that opens up the possibility that your enemy will be transformed. You know, then there's a contrast of battles. The kingdom of the world has earthly enemies, but by, very, by its very definition, the kingdom of God has no earthly enemies. Everyone is our friend. Everyone is our neighbor. At least that's what God tells us in the Bible. And so we should be treating all of uh, everyone we meet with respect, whether or not they're conservative or liberal, whether or not they're black or white, tall or skinny, bearded or unbearded. Sorry, Christian. I, I feel your pain there. But, you know... That's not to say that Christians aren't engaged in battles of their own. There is warfare that we're engaged in, but it's not with anybody here, and it's not with anybody out there. It's with powers and principalities. It's with the cosmic forces that come against the will of God. And so everything we do should be geared towards advancing the kingdom of God. So moving on, I think I've painted a pretty clear picture that the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God stand opposed to each other, and we have to realize that the priorities of God have to come before the priorities of the world. We have to be willing to sacrifice all of that. We have to be willing to sacrifice political power. We have to be willing to sacrifice personal power, wealth, all those kinds of things that the world works and strives for. We have to sacrifice that if we want to advance the kingdom of God. Um, In our life, we all have different roles, you know, uh, I, was, I read a book uh, a while back, and it was talking about how to set goals in your life and that sort of thing, and it said, think about your life in terms of your roles. So what kind of roles do you serve? Well, I'm a husband, so I, that, that's one of my roles. I, I'm a son, that's another one of my roles. I'm a father, that's another role. I am an employee, that's another role. I am a supervisor, that's another role. Um, I am a man. That's another role. You know, so you think about all the different roles in your life that you occupy, and that can kind of help you bring your priorities into shape when you start realizing, well, it's more important that I be a good husband than I be a good employee. You know, my family needs to come over my career. You know, it's more important that I be a good father than I be a good member of the, you know, model remote control car club, whatever. You, you put it all in, uh, in perspective that way by looking at your different roles. And we have to look at ourselves and say, you know, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God, and that has to come before the fact that I'm a citizen of the United States. Think about that. I mean, I, I've often thought about that. What would my life look like if I had been born you know, 300 miles north in Canada. It'd look different, right? I am an American by accident of birth, you know? I'm tall and good-looking by accident of gen- genetics, right? My life could be so much different, and we have no control over that. But we do have control over whether or not we view ourselves as a citizen of the kingdom of God. See, that's what it is. I mean, it's all about perspective, when you begin to look at things in terms of the kingdom of God, you look at things in terms of the spiritual realm. What's going on around you, it's going to change the way you look. It's going to change the way you 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 the decisions you make, the actions you take, the words you say because you'll see that this is more important than that. And so, you know, by looking at those different roles, it helps you figure out what's more important. Now, I'm not saying And obviously, this is political season. There's signs and, and, you know, it's on TV all the time. Everybody wants to talk about it. I'm not saying we have to abandon the political process. I mean, as Christians, we are called to work for justice, you know, to bring about justice and, and to, to care for those who can't care for themselves. And we're supposed to create a fair and equal society. I mean, that, that's obvious from Scripture that that's what God wants for us here on earth. But we also have to realize that it's never going to be all the way done here because we're fallen and we live in a sinful world no matter how perfect we get our Constitution, no matter how perfect we get our the, the, the members of our conference or Congress, uh, we could elect the most moral, ethical uh, person in the world to be president, and it still wouldn't usher in uh, the ultimate realm of, of peace and prosperity, and everything wouldn't be right in the world. That's not our hope. Our hope is in Christ. You know, so the question is, if we're going to change our perspective and we're going to look at our lives differently, if we're going to look at our lives from a kingdom of God perspective rather than a kingdom of the world perspective, how do we do that? Well, one, like I said, it's not to enforce a theocracy. And I struggle with that because I think, you know, as a Christian, I should be standing up for godly things. But I also see in scripture that um, you know, Paul teaches us we, we shouldn't judge those who are outside the church by the same measure that we judge those who are inside the church. People who are outside of the church, they don't understand that they're wrong. They don't understand that they're living in sin. And I'm not saying that they're wrong about everything, but they don't un, they're not in a relationship with God. And so, therefore, they can't be expected to, to uphold those kinds of expectations. We can't hold those expectations of people outside the church. So we're not trying to create a theocracy, but what we are trying to do is, everywhere you go, there should be kingdom of God left in your wake. There should be someone who was impacted by you. I mean, even if it's something small, I mean, it can be as small as uh, you know, your joy rubbing off on them. It, it, like I shared at the beginning, I've been feeling ill, a little under the weather, all week long, fighting the sinus crud. It's made me feel terrible. When I walked out of my office, the prayer team was leaving, and man, they were just so fired up, I couldn't help but smile too, you know? Just by standing three feet away from them, my life was impacted in a positive way. We should have that effect on everyone we come into contact with. You know, when we leave the drive-thru at Burger King, the guy in Burger King must be saying, man, that dude's crazy. He's smiling all the time. I love it when he comes through my drive-thru, you know? Uh... Everybody we interact with should in some way be impacted in a way that will draw them towards what's good in life. You know, it's all too easy to focus on the negative. But we need to be projecting the positive of God into the world. The other thing we need to do is we need to understand that these battles that they want us to engage in. And when I say they, I'm talking about mainstream media. And the reason I'm saying that, I'm not saying that they want the bad, uh, that they want anything bad for our country. I don't think they have ill intentions. But they do know that when there's a battle, it creates interest. It gets people watching the shows. It makes them money, that kind of thing. And so for them, it's better if we're all at each other's throats. I mean, think about it. Would we all want to tune in to the latest NFL game if they were all just going to play patty cake in the middle of the field? No, we want to see that battle. We want to see that fight, that struggle, right? And it's the same way. That same thing applies to the political realm. You know, people are interested in the battle, in the struggle. What's he going to say next? Ooh, is he going to talk about her, you know, and and all that kind of stuff? Or or what's she going to say this time? Or, you know, we get all caught up in, in the drama of it. And, and we need to realize that none of that ultimately matters. You know, we feel like what we do right here matters so much. Today matters so much. And it does. I'm not trying to take away from that. But the older I get, the more I realize that our life is just a very brief span of time. You're here for a very short amount of time. You have very limited amount of hours in the day. How you spend them is very important. And do I want to waste my hours watching TV Or do I want to waste my hours, not waste my hours, but use my hours to advance the kingdom, to minister to someone? If someone calls you, you know, and and let me tell you this. When you're a minister, you get calls all the time. And people want to talk. And they, they, they have problems. They need you to pray, that kind of thing. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a person too. So there are times when I get that phone call at, you know, midnight, and I don't feel like answering it, you know? I don't. I'm tired. I was about 30 seconds from being asleep, you know, but I have to realize that this is an opportunity. This is an open door. This is a a chance for me to make a difference in someone's life. Even if I can't help their problem, you know, I can't take away grandma's cancer. I can't take away the fact that your husband or wife is leaving you. I can't take, you know, I can't do any of that. But I can be there for you. I can love you. I can support you. I can speak wisdom and truth into your life. And that's how we should be looking at every interaction that we go about, whether we feel like it or not. And believe me, I know there are days you don't feel like it. I know pastors shared before, even as a minister, there's days, there's Sunday mornings you roll out of bed and you think, I don't really feel like going to church. But we go because we're faithful. You know, there are days you roll out of bed. I know you guys feel that way about work, right? (laughs) There are days you roll out of bed, you don't want to go to work. But you have to say, this is my job, this is my responsibility, this is where God's placed me. So I'm going to take advantage of that. Rather than having a bad attitude and being upset about it, I'm going to go into this saying, how can I make a difference in this workplace? How can I affect someone, a customer that walks through the door? How can I speak some wisdom or some truth into one of my coworkers' lives? And so that's what we have to do. We have to change our mindset so that everything we do, we're looking at it from a kingdom perspective. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to love and serve as he did. And the reason I read this passage about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I want to put this in context for you. This is, you know, the night of the Last Supper. Jesus knows, all right, it says right here in verse 3 that he knew that the Father had given him authority, that he had come from him and he was getting ready to return to him. He knew that. He knew what was coming. He knew, my life's about to get really stinky in the next few days. It's not going to be a lot of fun. But rather than being selfish, rather than thinking about himself, what was he doing? He was thinking about his disciples. He was thinking about, how are they going to be affected by the fact that I'm about to be arrested and tried and and executed? What is something that I can do that will minister to them? What is something that I can do that will be a teachable moment for them? You know, and so that's what we have to do. If we want to, to make a difference in the world, we have to stop thinking about how can I advance my agenda? How can I advance my political party? How can I advance my church over another church? How can I advance uh, my, my workplace? Whatever. We have to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. How can we serve? How can we love? Because that's what we have to be known as. You know, it tells us in the Bible that that should be our hallmark. That's how people should know you're a Christian. It's not because you got a a fish on the back of your car. It's not because you got a tattoo or a bracelet or a necklace or anything else. The way people should know that guy's a Christian is because he loves. He loves everybody. He loves all the time, unconditionally. We love all people in all places at all times and without condition. That should be our hallmark. So as I bring this to a close, I want to think about the context we're in. You know, our, our society, our culture, our country is not in a very good place right now. I, I think most agree. You look at the polls. Most people are not real happy with the state of our country. Not happy with our rep- elected representatives. They're not happy with our economy. You know, yeah, people have jobs now, but you have to have three of them to pay the bills, you know? Um, So we're in a place where we're dealing with some things as a country. And so we, as a people of God, have to say, look, we don't have all the answers. We can't fix it all. We can't fix everything that's wrong with the world, but we can love where we are. We can make a difference where we are. We can choose not to engage in the inflammatory rhetoric. We can choose not to make enemies out of our neighbors. You know, and so that's what I want us to do. Um, You know, we're going to get ready to come down front, and I I want us just all to pray because I believe that there is power in prayer. I believe that prayer makes a difference. Um, You know, we don't always see the change that happens when we pray. But the Bible teaches us that it's true, and I've seen the results myself. I have seen where a situation was transformed by God. I have seen where a family was healed by God. And see, we should be going everywhere, sharing God's love and reconciling. So there are a few areas where I want to pray together, and I'm going to to go over these focuses and these areas, and then I would like us all to come forward. First is our political climate. It's bad. It's nasty. There's suspicion distrust of each other there's deception there's manipulation there's uh not sharing all the facts i mean every every commercial that's on tv a political commercial you have to look at it what what's the bias are they telling me the whole story we're not in a very nice place people are slinging mud at each other calling each other names uh criminals calling for you know that they should be put in jail and and all this kind of stuff all over political disagreements and it's crazy and what we need to do as a people of God is we need to be like a healing balm, right? When, when, when people at our workplace get all worked up and start spewing about this candidate or that candidate, we need to just say, listen, it doesn't do any good. Let's pray. Let's pray for that person. Let's, let's be a calming influence. Because you know what? Whether you support the Democrats or the Republicans, neither one of them have the whole the, all the answers. Both of them have things that they, that they argue for that are godly aims. And they both of them have things that they support that are not godly aims. And so we can't just you know, pretend like, well, my side's right, hallelujah. You know, we have to speak peace into the situation. And so that's the first thing we're going to pray for. The second thing we're going to pray for is the violence and the racial tension. It's gotten so bad lately the whole black lives matter blue lives matter all lives matter everybody's screaming and mad at each other and you know the Bible teaches us that you know in Christ there's no Jew there's no Greek there's no slave there's no free there's no male there's no female and I believe that applies to race too there's no black there's no white there's no purple or green or whatever other color you are we're all one in Christ there's no difference and so we need to be that calming influence and we need to not participate We need to not participate. The best way to suck the drama out of any situation is to just not respond or to respond with love instead of getting offended or getting upset or anything like that. Because think about it. Everybody in our country wants the best for everybody else. We really do. We all have the same goal in mind. We just disagree about how we should get there. And so we have to look at those things that unite us instead of divide. And, you know... Our city, Louisville, struggles with some of this, the racial tension, uh, all of that. And we need to be making a difference in that and speaking peace and calm into that. The third area I want to pray for is addiction and substance abuse. You know, our country is in a place where there are so many people who are so hopeless and they get caught up in, in these uh, addictions, they get caught up in, in substances, and, and it takes over their lives. And while, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, I can't fix that, but I can pray for and support people that are going through that, families that are going through that, um, you know, we've got to stand and band together, because it's, it, it can feel so hopeless when you're in that situation. You know, if you've got a family member and they're doing stuff that's self-destructive, you can't make the right choices for them. And it hurts because you want to fix it. You want to fix the problem. You don't want to see them struggle like that. So we have to join together and support each other as we walk through that process and pray that God will get a hold of that person and transform and set them free. And so that's the third thing I want to pray for. The fourth thing is I want to pray for the, 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 the children in our country. There's something wrong with a system that says it's easier to abort a baby than to have it adopted. You know, we were talking about that, uh, me and one of my friends just the other day. He works with social workers, or, or he works with uh, foster care placement and that sort of thing, uh, and, and he was saying, it's so crazy because it's so expensive to adopt a child, and yet there are families waiting in line. And And... and and so they they want to adopt but they just can't make it happen and there's no reason it should be that expensive there's no reason it should be cheaper to take a pill and murder your child or, or go to an abortion clinic and murder your child when there's people out there that want them and I don't know the answer I don't know how we fix that but as a church it's time for us to stand up and say we're going to make this happen we don't know what we have to do we're going to find lawyers that will do the work pro bono we're going to get the laws changed to streamline the process and make it easier for us to, to, to preserve the lives of those who can't protect themselves and our country I believe is paying the price of the last 50 years and we need to stand up and we need to pray that God will help heal us and bring that back The fifth area that I want to pray for is our economic system. Because while it's working for some people, there are some people that have all the money they need, but there's a lot of families that are struggling now. Um, You know, I work with this child care center over here, and I see so many families that are in a place where it's like, we need the two incomes. We need both parents to work. But if the mom goes back to work, all of her income would go straight towards child care. It's just the reality that we're in. We don't live in a society where one one spouse can go out and have a job and provide for the family anymore. So then they work two jobs. They work three jobs, and it tears the family apart. The parents aren't there for the kids when the kids need them. The spouses aren't there for each other when they need each other. And it all becomes just a rat race, a juggle. And we've created this economic system that, that hurts people. If you've got money, sure, it's easy to make money. It's easy to put money in the bank and, and collect the interest, but if you don't have anything to begin with, you're stuck there. It's it's a it's a negative poverty cycle. And as a church, we should be standing against that. That's not what God declared. God declared jubilee. God declared freedom. God declared a chance for people to get their lives back in order. And as a church, we should be doing whatever we can to help with that. So those are the five areas that I want to pray about. These are things that have been bothering me. They've been dis- I just can't get them off my mind. And I think, you know, there are a lot of good people in my church. And while we can't fix everything in Louisville, we can make a difference. We can't make everybody get along, but we can speak peace into a situation instead of contributing to the argument. We can't cure the addict, but we can support their families as they walk through that and try to get that person clean and sober. We can't adopt every child out there that needs to be adopted but we can help those who do need it. We can't, you know, we, can, we can't fix it all, but we can make a difference. So that's what I want to do, and there is something about unity. So what I want to do, and there's also something about praying aloud. There's something about hearing the prayers of, of your brothers and sisters next to you. So that's what I want to do right now. If you all would come and join me in the altar, I would like us to pray. And... Would my prayer team be willing to join me? And we have these five areas, and I would like to maybe have our prayer team pray, and each one of you can maybe address one of these prayer areas. I know I didn't talk about that before, but I just kind of feel led towards that right now.
1: Every part of my world Take this life and breathe on This heart that is now yours You can have it all, Lord, every part of my world, take this life and breathe on, this heart that is now you.
0: Us to begin to just pray and let's lift up our country together. I want all of us to pray together that we can make a difference in this country. Lord God, we come to you together as a united people, as your people who have realized that we are a part of your kingdom. We're no longer a part of that kingdom of the world, we're part of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we don't know that all the answers and we can't fix everything, Lord God, but we want to begin to pray for these specific areas. Lord God, as we pray. Lord, we want to see your power take hold in this city. We want to see strongholds broken down. We want to see chains broken. We want to see families set free from the oppression that's over them. Lord, we want to see addicts walk free. And Lord God, I've called this prayer team together. And Lord, I want them to pray. And they're going to pray for each of these areas. And Lord God, we are all going to join together. Lord, we're going to stand together and say, Lord, wherever we can help, wherever we can love, Wherever we can serve, we're going to make a difference in your name.
2: Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, Father, we just lift up this political situation to you, Father. God, we pray, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to vote for the person, God, that you want to be in office, Father. God, give us the ability, Father, Lord. Give us the strength, Father, to stand, Father, Lord, and be a part of this, Lord, to make a difference, Father. God, we just thank you, Lord, for for all the things you do for our country, Father. God, we just pray that you continue, Lord, to just bless this nation, Father. Bring restoration to this family, Father, to this nation, Father. And, God, we just thank you, Lord, Father, that you are going to restore all the things, Father, that have been taken away from this country, Father. And, God, we just pray, Lord, for each of the people that's running for office, Father, that, God, somehow, Lord, you will become a part of their life, Father, and show them, Father, Lord, the things that this nation really needs, Father, and that spiritual growth, Father. And, God, we just thank you, Father, Lord, God, that we go from political correctness, Father, to biblical correctness, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Father God, we thank you and praise you today that you are a good God. You you want good things in people's lives. So we take authority over the strife and the contention and the hate and the anger that rises up god with with race in all the different areas of living god and father we pray today that your people who are called by your name as we humble ourselves god and make the decision to forgive anybody for anything god we can have the peace that passes all understanding crossing all of the borders, God, and we can walk in that kind of peace, God, all the days of our life. That's what you desire, God. That's who you are, God. So I pray today that we, your people, God, would rise up and be the people that you have called and, and, and anointed and empowered us to be, and that we would learn to love one another, to forgive one another, and walk in the truth, that produces the peace in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. you pray
0: for the economic situation our.
4: Father, Lord, we lift up our economy, Father God. And Lord, we know that it's your sons and your daughters, God that we live in your economy, God. And, God, we ask, Lord, that you would give the leaders, Lord, that you have chosen, God, that you would raise up godly leaders, Lord, that are already your sons and your daughters, God, that they would serve in the political system, the judicial system, God. And, God, that you will use them, God, and give them influence, God, and give them supernatural favor, Lord, locally, God, on every town, every city, Lord, every state, God, every major city. And, God, that you will remove those who are corrupt, Father, God, God, that you will give us godly men and women who are served in those positions, God. And, God, that they will hear your voice, God. And God, they will serve your people. And, God, it will be a unity, Father, God, a spirit of unity, God. God, instead of division, Lord, over, over political things, God. or, or Lord, we just ask you to remove those, Lord, who are in office, God, who are in opposition of your word and your will, God. God, that your will would triumph, God. And, God, that because of that, God, because there are godly men and women, God, that you are calling and raising up in those positions, God, that the economy would flourish, God. God, that it would flourish, Lord, like it's never before, God, for your glory, God, not for people to be rich, God, but for people to be rich in Jesus. God, that people would come to know you, God. And God, we just ask, God, that you would bless America with those type of individuals, God, from the president, Lord, to the Congress, to senators, God, to governors, to mayors, God from the top to the bottom, God, to every one of us, God, that you would give us a spirit of unity, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you, God, are the key because you are Jehovah-Jireh, Lord. You are our provider, God. And we look to you, God, for everything that we need, God. And we thank you for your many blessings, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Father God,
5: we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we pray for substance abuse, drugs, any 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 evil thing that has come over our young people, that addictions, any addictions, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Glory to God that you break this off of them. Glory to God, we pray, Lord Jesus. Father God, speak into their spirits. Send mighty angels to minister to them. God, deliver them in the mighty name of Jesus. We know, we know, Father God, this comes from hell. This comes straight from hell. And you give us power over every demon, every demonic spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Set them free. Set them free, Father God. Glory to God. Set them free from these addictions, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, speak into their spirit. Speak into their heart. Father God, they don't think you love them, and you do. Oh, glory to God, let them see this. Give them dreams and visions in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God, glory to God. We pray for their souls, Father God. We pray for their souls, and we believe in these last days, Jesus. You are bringing them up in this revival in the mighty name of Jesus. We believe that. We believe that, and we receive that, Jesus. You're bringing these people in. Glory to God. And they are delivered. And they are set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.
0: Can you pray uh, those who need
6: Father, we thank you. Father God, that you brought families into the earth. Father God. And you purpose for us to multiply, Father God, and to bring Your Word alive in these families, Lord. Now, families that are purposing and wanting to have a child, Father God, the anointing would be upon their life, Father God, to release them, Father God, to receive that child, Father God, that they have dreamed and vision, Father God. Let them not lose hope, Father God, but trusting in You, Father that you are more than able to supply every need that we want, Father God, and the desire of their heart be fulfilled, Father God, to raise up godly children, Father God, that will lead this nation, Father God, into holiness, Father God. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us for these abortions, Father God, for the murder that has come upon our nation. Father God, forgive us. We repent of that and ask you to heal our land, Father God. As a nation, we arise and ask for representatives, that you put people in positions, Father God, to bring this nation back to holiness, Father God, and trusting you, Lord. We just thank you, Father God, that you cover the sin of this nation, Father God, with your precious blood, In your name, Father God, that forgives us of that. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.
0: Lord God, as we get ready to dismiss, Lord, I just want to pray for everybody else in this room. Lord God, it's hard to look at things from your perspective, Lord, and to think about kingdom work when we're under attack ourselves. Lord, if there's a health issue, Lord, I pray freedom and deliverance over that. Lord, if there is an an emotional issue or or, or a relational issue that's going on in our life, if our families are under attack, it's hard to keep our eyes focused on you. So, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes upon you, to look to you as our hope, not to anybody else, Lord God. And I pray that you would provide deliverance, Lord God, so that we can accomplish the purpose that you've called us to do. Lord, so that we can be the husbands and the wives that you want us to be, the the parents, Lord, the the, the employees, Lord, God. I pray that you would help us to make a difference in every situation and in every person we come into contact with. And we pray in your holy name. Amen.